Exactly what we were talking about today, guys. But before that, Chris, how you doing? Man, I'm doing great. I got up early this morning. I hit the gym. I did my groceries. I had a really nice breakfast. I knocked out some emails. Feeling good. I'm setting up my energy to carry me through this entire day. How you doing, man? So I did none of that. I went to class, and I had a fantastic morning. But we have a very, very exciting news for you today. We launched our website. What? TheLawSchoolShow.com. It's sweet. Check it out. It brings in information from all our different sources, whether it's YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes. It's all together in one place. Yep. Or check out the new blog, sign up for the newsletter, check out the video, and of course, listen in to the new episodes of the pod. Exactly. The website again, guys, it's thelawschoolshow.com. Today, we are having a frank, honest, and easy-to-understand discussion about complex financial things with Greg Moore, Manager of Professional and Small Business Banking at Scotiabank. We divided this interview into three parts. The first part, we focus on what you should do before coming into law school to ensure that you're financially set up. We talked about what line of credit you should get, what visa card you should have, what account you should open to ensure that you're paying the least amount of fees. Yeah, and then he talks about what you do during law school to make sure that you graduate in the best possible financial position. And what that means for a lot of us is just having the least amount of debt. Exactly. And finally, he closes the conversation by talking about how do you pay that line of credit off once you've graduated. Yeah, and importantly for me as an OSAP user, he also talks about OSAP throughout and compares and contrasts that option um, to others. And one very important thing that he mentioned was Scotia Bank provides a $10,000 line of credit for students who are graduating and going through the law practice program or if students need that money to pay off their bar fees. And you cannot get that money from OSAP, making it even more important. Also keep in mind that although all of this information is from a Scotiabank perspective, the knowledge applies um, to you and whatever bank you might do your business with. Exactly. So without any further ado, here's our conversation with Mr. Greg Moore. Dig in. Good afternoon, gentlemen. We have uh, my main man, Chris, to the right. How are you doing? And uh, today we got Mr. Greg Moore, who's the manager of professional and small business banking at Scotiabank. He's also the professional plan representative for University of Ottawa. So 
all student matters. He's the direct contact for that. And he's been with Scotiabank for 11 years. So welcome to the show, Mr. Moore. How are you? Thank you very much for having me. I'm well. Yeah, it's our pleasure. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about yourself without talking about banking. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> well, I've been with the bank for 11 years, like you said, and um, uh, I come from a, a background of uh, small business actually running a McDonald's restaurant for 12 years. So I have uh, some some good background with respect to business and professional banking, and, and uh, it's really helped me in this role to, to assist our clients. Um, personally, I've been married for six years. With uh, we have, we have we're a blended family, but we have four kids and nice. uh, spend spend our, our free time basically uh, uh, family matters. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Do you travel a lot? Not a not a ton not. of travel. Children have a funny way of keeping you <laughs> keeping you close to home. But uh, a couple of trips planned for this year. Our our, our big uh, what we're looking forward to is a trip to the Super Bowl. At the end of this month. Oh no way! Yeah, yeah. we got you right, just in the right time. Right? <laughs> That's yeah. right. Yeah, before the Super Bowl yeah. kicks off. So the way we're going to structure this interview, and just for our listeners, this interview is focused on how do you manage your finances being a law student. So the way we're going to structure this interview is we're going to talk about what do you do before coming into law school, what should you be doing while you're in law school in terms of your finances, and what are some things you should do after you leave law school. So to kick things off, before coming into law school, one of the things that students think about is line of credit. If you can just give a, give a quick overview of what a line of credit is for students and uh, what are some things that banks can do, specifically Scotiabank, uh, to help students with law school. Okay, sure. Well, a line of credit is basically a facility through the bank where you can uh, draw upon a preset amount of money in order to assist with managing your expenses. Now, with, uh, with the financial institutions and the professional banking segment, the, the law school in particular, uh, the, the line of credit is established not only to manage your, your tuition and your direct expenses related to school, but all of your expenses related to your, to your law education. So that would include rent, uh, transportation. And the basic reason for that is the bank realizes that law school, your education, it's a full-time job. Most people are not out there uh, working 35 hours a week, so the program has to be sufficient to cover all of your expenses. So the program is designed uh, around that basis. Uh, we can finance up to a maximum of $100,000. And that's for law students only? For law students at, at the University of Ottawa. Um, and basically that, that program allows for, we, we take your approved credit limit and we allocate it equally over the course of your program. So you know, for the three years, uh, and then the student can draw on it as they need it. So uh, this is essentially money that sits there in students' account that they have access to and not a loan in the sense that they're not paying uh, interest right off the bat on the $100,000. They're only paying interest on the amounts that they end up using. That's correct. Yeah, okay. they only pay on interest on what they use, and part of our role is to help with the budgeting process to to encourage students to use that money wisely um, and and you know, ensure that there's sufficient money. Part of our, our mandate is to ensure that you have money at the end of the school as opposed to school at the end of the money. Yeah. So <laughs> we, uh, we work hard to, to try and work with our students and make sure that we give them some advice around around that planning process throughout their schooling. Is the $100,000 limit the same across all Ontario law schools? Um, <clears throat> no, the at least with Scotiabank, there is one uh, program at a university, excuse me, University of Toronto that has a slightly higher limit, and that's um, uh, 
that's by virtue of a very s special relationship between the university and Scotiabank. Mm -hmm. um, but across the, the rest of the, the country, the, the $100,000 limit applies to all mm -hmm. law schools, yes. And the hundred thousand is broken down. I guess it's it's essentially for three years, so thirty three thousand dollars per year. But is that really a limit that students have? So, for instance, in one year, can a student use forty thousand dollars and go over the thirty three thousand dollar limit? So the way the the limit structure works is if the student is approved for a hundred thousand dollars, the standard annual allotment is thirty three thousand three hundred for for each year mm -hmm. with an extra hundred dollars on one of the years to make it an even hundred now uh, in year one if the student has some moving expenses or some additional expenses that make that year in particular more expensive mm -hmm. we can add some some limit to year one and just take an equal amount off the remaining years okay, okay. Um, so you know we we have some flexibility there once you hit second and third year the key for the students that a lot of people don't realize is in year one, if you use $25,000, this is not a use it or lose it kind of process. So if you have $8,000 left from year one, when we add your year two on, you have $41,000 available okay. to you. Sweet. And so just taking a step back now for, so there's this line of credit that's available for $100,000. What is the, the process to get approved for this line of credit? And does the amount vary based on each individual's financial circumstance. Okay, well the amount can vary for sure. Basically the the approval process is very easy. It's a single piece of paper and we we have a, an application right here in the branch or we can do it online and basically what we're looking for is some general information on the client and a budget. Okay. So what we're what we're seeking from the student is a breakdown of fairly fairly moderately what are your expenses and your income for the year. So if you have a part-time job, maybe a couple of thousand dollars a year, we put that in and we put all your expenses from your tuition and your rent and the, everything. And just say, for example, that that number, the expenses exceed the income by twenty five thousand mm -hmm. dollars. If we're able to approve thirty thousand dollars for our, our client, we have a balanced budget, which means we're confident that we can give you enough money to get you through school. Yeah. Okay. Um, from the standpoint of the the limits that are approved the math is fairly simple basically the bank looks at the credit of the individual and we would never say that a client is required to close any credit from outside of scotia bank but if a client has a, say a, another financial institution's visa card for two thousand dollars and they really like it they're just attached to it for whatever reason then we we deduct that two thousand dollars off of our line of credit, so we would oh. prove ninety eight. Okay. Okay. And basically, the 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 concept around that is the total total borrowing for the student, whether it's with Scotiabank or not, is a hundred thousand dollars. So how does that play with your prior loans that you might have from OSAP from undergrad? So for instance, if somebody has $20,000 OSAP loan before coming to law school, and yep. they're going to get more OSAP when they're in law school. Does that play any factor in amount they will get approved for? Excellent question, and the answer is no, it doesn't. Fantastic. So the only adjustments the bank makes to the limit are revolving credit facilities like Visa cards or other lines of credit. Uh, OSAP loans, car loans, because a car loan is attached to a car and there's an asset that goes with it, those kinds of things don't impact uh, the the line of credit that we're able to approve. We also see some mature students who have already 
you know, they're married and maybe they already own a home. We mm-hmm. don't take a mortgage into account when we when we approve these credit lines. And do so, you need a cosign on the application? In the vast majority of cases, no. Um, the program is designed to not have a cosigner. The there are occasions where we would require a cosigner, and those would be the occasions where uh, the budget is very very tight, or the 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 credit is is the credit history for the customer is uh, not sufficient for the bank to make a, a, a decision that we can do it without a co-borrower. But the, the structure is to not require it. And if there is a co-borrower, are they liable for the payments? As long as the payments are made, the co-borrower is not liable. The, the co-borrower is basically there to provide comfort that should payments not be made, there's somebody there who will make those payments. Right. Uh, for that co-borrower, we actually require a, a document called uh, independent legal advice. So that allows the, the, the person who's signing onto the credit line to see a lawyer who will advise them, this is exactly what you're signing, this is exactly your liability. So we don't get into it very often, but we, when we do require a co-borrower, we try and protect their interests as well. And I guess the good thing about, and you, if you can speak a bit about this, is when you're paying your interest on your line of credit, you can actually pay it using your line of credit. Yes. So therefore, your line of credit is kind of self-functioning itself without yep. actually bringing in any outside funds. So this is a really important part of what we do. And uh, there are some differences. I would encourage everyone to ask these questions of any financial institution that they're visiting. With Scotiabank, uh, the interest that you pay on your line of credit, we call it capitalizing the interest, which means at the end of the month, whatever interest you would owe for the money that you've used, we roll it onto your balance for you. Okay, so it, it basically just takes care of itself and there's not a monthly payment required. The value in this is at in some institutions, the student is required to make a payment, and typically what they wind up doing is they go to their line of credit, they move some money to their bank account, and then two days later they move it from their bank account to pay their line of credit. Exactly, yeah. Uh, so the student has to do that. Effectively, at Scotiabank, because we're rolling it on, we're doing exactly what the student's doing, mm-hmm. except at Scotiabank you're never going to be late because we do it automatically. Mm-hmm. So there will be no, no case of delinquency, no case of being caught up in exams and forgetting about it. Yeah, yeah, that's a nice piece of assistive administration. I like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. yeah, and uh, so before they cause student comes to you for a line of credit, do they need to have an account with Scotia Bank for X number of years, or say I have my bank with CIBC, can I come to Scotia and try to get a line of credit? Absolutely, the, the student does not need to be a previous customer of Scotia Bank. We welcome them all. Um, the the only thing that that we suggest for our students, and it's a it's a wonderful opportunity to be able to to talk to your student group and and give a bit of advice. The key pieces for us to be able to offer a credit approval are a balanced budget, which just means we can give you enough money to get you through school, uh, a reasonable credit bureau, and with a credit bureau, we we pull our, our credit information for our students from Equifax, who most people are probably familiar with the name, uh, and we're not expecting students to have a, a, a lot of credit or too much credit but even just one small credit card that they use and they pay back on a regular basis that helps build a credit history that's helpful for the bank is there a if just generally speaking i don't know if you would be able to answer this question but in terms of score credit score i'm sure that's what you're looking at gen what's a range that's okay to be at and if you fall below that range then that's where you might need a co-signer is there a general range that you can speak about well 
the credit score doesn't take as as much precedence as it used to. Okay. The, when when you look at your credit bureau, the credit score is a number between 300 and 900. The higher, the better. Typically, you'll find most uh, consumers are anywhere from 650, which is fair, mm -hmm. to a very good score. 780 is, is extremely good. Mm -hmm. That's a very clean credit bureau. And most people are somewhere in, in between that range. And that's, a, that's an acceptable uh, score for the most part. Okay. Where it becomes, uh, it's the history that, that really helps us. Um, if we have a client who has a very good credit score, but they've only had a credit card for the last three months, uh, and that's the only credit that they have, that, that doesn't give us a lot of mm -hmm. uh, history in terms of being able to evaluate that person's credit. Mm -hmm. Uh, behavior. Yeah, makes sense. Well, I guess this is a good time to transition into discussion about credit cards. Mm -hmm. so well, that, I want to ask one more question yeah. just about sort of the, the financing aspect. Um, so, are there any alternatives to the student line of credit? Well, there are certainly the, uh, the, the government loans, mm -hmm. um, but in, for a professional program, the cost for the students, and I mean, that's part of the reason the program exists, is the, the costs are extraordinary. Uh, students are, are going to spend the next three to four years uh, watching this line of credit go, as far as they're concerned, in the entirely wrong direction. Uh, um, and it's a lot of money. So, you know, aside from wealthy family or, or you know, if for those students that are, uh, you know, maybe they went out into the workforce for a few years so they have some savings or whatnot, um, most students are going to need some kind of financial assistance from the banks. Mm. And, uh, you know, to be quite honest, the part of the reason the program exists, the banks recognize, all of them, without exception, recognize uh, the students that are graduating from these programs are very high-value future potential clients. Mm -hmm. So it's an opportunity to not only help them, but to you know, demonstrate our service and, and hopefully develop a good long-term relationship. Is the interest rate better uh, on a government loan or on a student line of credit? The the interest rate, it's I've done the math on it a few times. The government student loans are usually in the prime plus two and a half range, I believe, uh, which prime rate today is 3%. So, uh, you know, you're five and a half, depending, maybe six. I don't know precisely how those rates are, are determined. Uh, with the Scotiabank line of credit, our line of credit is at prime plus a half. So prime plus 0.5 is 3.5%. The big difference when it comes to repayment is with your OSAP loans, the interest that you pay is tax deductible. So where, whereby at, at any of the financial institutions, interest on our lines of credit are not tax deductible. Mm -hmm. So you can save a couple percent by consolidating your OSAP loans with your bank, but you'll lose the tax deduction. In the grand scheme of things, when you, when you work all that out, it works out to a difference of maybe $50 a year, plus or minus, yeah. for the client. It usually doesn't make a big difference. And in terms of the length of this line of credit that you have, so it lasts for three years for your loss studies itself, but in terms of payment of that line of credit, mm -hmm. how long do you have to actually make the payments? Well, the line of credit exists as a revolving line of credit, meaning you can use it and pay it back as, as frequently as you want throughout your law school program, mm -hmm. throughout your articling, Mm -hmm. or the law practice program, and for 12 months after your articling or your LPP is complete. 
Okay. Uh, so at that point, 12 months after everything is done, uh, our line of credit converts to a loan, which can be repaid over 10 years. Okay. Now, the interest rate does not change, so it okay. remains at prime plus a half. And throughout, even throughout school and during the 10-year the repayment period, the, the facility is fully open, which means it can be repaid at any time without penalty, in whole or in part. Sweet. So is there anything else we should touch on, on like the, the financing aspect? Of line of credit, is there any, yeah. any other information you Before would like to add Before we move on to how to manage during the law school process? Well, I think the only thing that, that the only other part that's important with respect to the financing is, uh, uh, that we didn't touch on is for the students that are entering, the finishing third year and entering Articlean or going into the LPP, mm -hmm. our program permits for uh, an additional $10,000 in credit to, to assist with that uh, part of the education. Yeah, it's important. Uh, so that's basically take us to $110,000, no change in the rate, of course, um, and all we're really taking on that is proof that the, the student has an articling position or has been accepted to the LPP. And that 10000 can go to the bar fees as well and or the LPP program. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. And that's important um, for those of you who don't know because you can't get government funding. You cannot get OSAP um, after you graduate and get your JD. So you couldn't get OSAP if you wanted to go on and go through the LPP. This sound lets you know that a sponsored message is coming up. Rishi and I want to be transparent with you guys and make it clear when a message is from a sponsor. Chris, we recently learned something new about financing your legal education. We definitely did. We learned about the Scotia Professional Student Plan, something I wish I had known about three years ago when I started law school. Yeah, man, it's a neat program and has some unique benefits. It comes as a package, which includes a line of credit, credit card, and a checking account. Yeah, and it actually pays your monthly line of credit interest automatically using the money in your line of credit. It takes care of the interest payments for you. It's one less thing you have to worry about. And one more reason for you to focus on your contracts reading. Or maybe where to go out this Friday night. <laughs> That's true. To learn more about the Scotia Professional Student Plan, contact Greg Moore at gregA.moore at scotiabank.com. Or visit your local Scotiabank location where someone friendly will be happy to help you. Well, that's fantastic. So now let's uh, turn the conversation to credit cards. Okay. So it's very important to pick the right credit card when you're students because you will be running up some debt on those credit cards and the interest rates vary across the board depending on the credit card you have. So what are your thoughts on what credit cards should students have before entering law school and while they're in law school? Okay, well, part of the, the key with the credit card aspect is to discuss with the student what their, what their intended use of the credit card is and what, you know, is going to be the best way for them to manage it. With the Scotia Professional Student Plan, our plan comes with a pre-approved $5,000 Visa card. Now, in the vast majority of cases, the student chooses what, what we call our Scotia Gold Passport Visa. This is a points accumulation card. You can use the points for travel, um, uh, even merchandise or credit back to your, to your Visa card. The key with any rewards program card is you trade off the interest rate. So the standard interest rate across all the financial institutions is 19.99%. Okay. So with our program, the annual fee on that card is waived forever. Okay. So it's a free card. So for the student, 
our advice is if the student is using that card to pay for their groceries and pay for their, you know, uh, uh, a night out or whatever, and they're paying it off each month, they're using their line of credit at a very low interest rate to pay off their credit card, they're getting the best of both worlds. They're accumulating points and they're not paying a ton of interest. So this is a gold credit card? This that is the gold card, yes. And there's, And you're saying because you have the line, you need to have the line of credit to waive the annual fees, is that correct? Well, the, it's all part of the same package. So okay. the line of credit is is the the main feature, the main reason why we're seeing the students in the first place. Mm -hmm. The Visa card comes as part of the package, part of the approval with the line of credit. The Visa card is pre-approved. And if somebody wants to get it separately, so without the line of credit and just wants to get this gold Visa card, would the annual fee still be uh, taken away? No, because basically what we're doing at that point is if it's not part of the pre-approved as part of the professional program, then it becomes a credit application. So the student would have to come in and actually show that they have an income and have the ability to repay. Okay. Uh, so, you know, it, it is, as part of the professional program, it is a very valuable resource for the student. The, our key advice, though, is if you, if you use this card and you carry $2,500 a month on it and don't pay it back regularly, then the interest that you pay on that card is going to quickly soak up any benefit you get from the points. Mm -hmm. yeah. So if that's sort of their intention or if that's the way they tend to use their card, uh, then we would certainly recommend looking at some, you know, they still qualify for the, for the Visa card, but we'd recommend looking at a lower interest facility. Maybe not as many perks, but not as much cost to it as well. And do, do you have credit cards which students are eligible for without any income coming in, professional students going to law school, and no travel points, nothing, but without any annual fees? Do you have such credit cards? Well, outside of the professional program, yeah. we do have a Scotia line for students. Uh, so this would be the, the credit facility that non-professional program students might, or undergrad students might apply for. And there are credit card options within that program as well uh, but number one the program is is it doesn't give the limits that our professional students are going to need uh, and the uh, the credit facilities are not quite as uh, generous as they are with the Scotia professional plan so it almost seems like for for if you want a credit card, a beneficial credit card then it's better to package it all together but whatever institution you're getting your line of credit form get the credit card from that institution as a package and most likely it will be it'll be a good package absolutely company, instead of trying to get a credit card separately which either you as a student might not be eligible for or would end up paying high interest rates on that's right absolutely okay. and to be honest the you know we've seen we've dealt with a number of students from the University of Ottawa and occasionally someone a student might say you know I've got this uh, this other visa card it's got a couple of thousand dollars and I've had it since I was 12 years old uh, that might be a bit of an exaggeration, but they're they're attached to it, just emotionally attached to it. Then keep it, not a problem at all. But by and large, for for their regular banking and for going forward within the professional pro program, certainly that that visa facility that's included in the program is going to be very helpful for them. It's just a matter of giving them the right advice in terms of which one's the best solution. Yeah. All right. So uh, should we move on to talk about how to manage your funds while in law school. Okay. So what are the best? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, some of the best tips that we're giving to our to our clients is uh, 
maybe I'll take just a quick step back. Part of the program as well includes a, a bank account with unlimited transactions for no fee. Yeah. Okay, so the student will have their online banking, they'll be able to see everything, they'll be able to move money as they see fit. So a lot of the, the advice that we're giving to the student is set a monthly budget for yourself. And every student is different, so we can't set that number for you. But if say it's a couple of thousand dollars, whatever it may be, at the start of the month, transfer that money from your line of credit, put it into your bank account, and then use your bank account. Mm -hmm. Or use your visa and pay from your bank account. Like It, it kind of all ties in together. Um, but keep yourself on track by keeping a monthly amount. And then, you know, if you do need more money, it's there, it's available for you. But if you have to go and take it again, then it, you have to make that conscious decision right. to do it. Yeah. Right? Uh, and that's what's really important because, well, like we said before, it's... It's part of the bank's responsibility, and I believe in it wholeheartedly, to help the student get to the end of school and, and you know, on the money that they have available. Yeah. Um, some, most students appreciate that advice, and uh, you know, it, it allows them to to really get a sense of, of the best way to to move forward with their banking. Yeah. So, just to touch on something that you said in regards to the accounts that students can have, so. Mm -hmm. Even without a line of credit, a student can open a checking account, a student checking account uh, for free without any monthly fees that's available, uh, that they would be charged. Is yes. That correct? Yeah. And that would have unlimited transactions, unlimited debit transactions they can make uh, without any charges. The student account is uh, the regular student account outside of the professional plan. Again, that one, uh, it's... It doesn't have any fees, but it does have a ultimately a limit on it. It's okay. not. Uh, it's it's a generous limit. Most most students would not be exceeding what uh, what the program can entail. Mm -hmm. Basically, what we're doing within the professional plan is we're taking our signature account. It's called the Scotia One. Yeah. Uh, the Scotia One account for anybody who has that account and it's available to everybody has a monthly fee on it, but it's unlimited transactions. So all we're able to do is take that monthly fee and waive it, and then it's just a free banking. So it seems like for if they don't want to pay any monthly fees and they don't want to get a line of credit, can they still get this professional checking account under this professional program or they have to get a line of credit to get this checking account under the professional program? The, the line of credit is the flagship product that, mm -hmm. that generates the Scotia professional plan for our clients. So basically... The, the bank account and the Visa card are pre-approved as part of the package with the line of credit. So right. to answer your question, uh, yes, the the Scotiabank account is a part of the, the line of credit approval. Okay. So it probably seems like that if you want, you can still get a student account without line of credit, probably have some limitations in regards to how many transactions you can do. If you get a checking account with a line of credit, then it's unlimited transactions that you'll be able to do on your checking account. That's right. Fantastic. So assuming a student makes a few bucks during the summer in between years, what do you suggest they do with that? Well, th that's an interesting question because, again, it, it does go back to, to each individual student. But um, it's, it's amazing how often things can, uh, can happen, uh, unexpected expenses still. I mean, it happens with everybody, but uh, uh, with students when they have a, a finite amount on that line of credit, um, we certainly don't recommend that they're tucking that money away in a in a registered vehicle like an RRSP where there's a tax implication for taking it out again or locking it into a, an investment vehicle that, that they can't access. So certainly um, putting some of that money aside in a, in a high interest savings account 
Um, they can do that virtually, uh, either with some of the, you know, tangerines or, or ING, um, or with, you know, Scotiabank has a high interest savings account as well. All the banks do. What's where, the usual, uh, what's the rate right now for those high interest uh, accounts in the banks? Uh, well, the the personal savings account, I believe, runs a little over 1%. Okay. Um, and, you know, again, the the ability to to just access that money quickly is very very often a, mm-hmm. a, a value to our, our clients. Um, some of the virtual uh, bank accounts that you can get, like Tangerine, those are available, of course, as well. And they have some pretty attractive interest rates, but it's sometimes a couple of days to take the money out of there. And are there any fees attached to these high-interest savings account and no banks? Fees. No fees. No. And you just manage it all online. Right. So for the average student, it's about keeping it liquid. It is about keeping it liquid, and it's you know if if a student comes into an inheritance, for example, and a, a, excuse me, a substantial amount of money, yeah. then maybe we might look at the at, at providing some different advice in terms of okay, there's enough money here for you to lock away a little bit, and and certainly you know as you the longer you're willing to keep your money with the bank, the better the interest rate the bank will pay. Um, but for a part-time job through the summer where, you know, uh, and I'm all for it. I think it's fantastic. But uh, uh, keeping that money liquid and keeping it available for uh, for their immediate future is, you know, especially during school is probably the, the mm-hmm. best advice that we would give. One, so one hot topic that I think a lot of people are talking about is TFSA accounts. Mm-hmm. No, so the, anybody can essentially open a TFSA account and any income that you make on those accounts is tax-free. Correct. But are they considered to be liquid in the sense, once I put a money in a TFSA account, can I just take it out without having to pay any interest? How, do, how does that work, if you can explain that a bit? So a TFSA, just for those who haven't heard the, the abbreviation before, tax-free savings account. So a tax-free savings account is very much um, a similar sort of process like an RRSP in terms of it's not an account itself. It's, it's, a, it's a vehicle mm-hmm. for investment. So you can put, you can save money within a tax-free savings account, but under that umbrella, you can have a bank account, you can have an investment certificate, you can put your money into mutual funds. Yeah. So depending on how you invest your money within that tax-free savings account determines whether or not you're going to be able to get it back. Okay. If you're putting your money into a regular high-interest savings account, but within a tax-free savings yeah. plan, yeah. you'll be able to access it again. Very quickly, very liquid, just be able to do it online and take your money back. And you don't have to pay any additional interest uh, or tax, uh, sorry, tax when you take the money out? Correct. The The whole process with the tax-free savings account is any any accumulation you make, whether it be capital growth or interest within the tax-free savings account is just that, tax-free. Mm-hmm. So that's a huge yours. advantage over RRSPs, right? So if you put money in RRSP, you can just take it out because you'll have tax implication. Versus putting money in TFSAs, you can take it out and not have to pay any additional taxes. That's correct. So your RSP is basically, well, registered retirement savings yeah. plan. So it's it's intended to put money aside for your retirement. The benefit to doing it for for income earners, number one, you need an income in order to make a contribution to an RSP. Uh, and when you make that contribution, you get a tax deduction for it. The whole idea being you make contributions when your income is high. And when you take it out in 30 years, presumably your income is not as high, you pay lower tax when you take it out. Uh, it's not designed for the the in and out of right. you know your day-to-day banking. That's where a standard bank account with your bank or a tax-free savings account come in really, really handy for our clients. 
Fantastic. Beautiful. So should we talk about uh, a graduate? Yeah. Okay. So she's out of law school, ready to repay a loan, mm-hmm. looking for her first job. Maybe she gets it, maybe she doesn't. What's uh, what's top of mind in terms of financial planning? Well, the our process is we see a lot of clients that come in, you know, they, they've they're right in that situation that you've talked about. And the big difference now is there's an income, right? There's been a little bit of an income through the last year of Articlean, but now they're they're moving on to a position that, you know, there's there's enough money here to start repaying the loan and, and, and whatnot. Um, the financial advice is paramount to, to making sure that we take proper care of that client. Now, uh, the first question we get asked is, what do I do? Do I pay back my loan as fast as possible? Mm-hmm. Um, do I invest my money? And there's a number of questions that we have to ask, ask before we can answer that question for the client. Uh, how soon do you plan on buying a home? Mm-hmm. Uh, if the client is hoping to buy a home within the next two years, uh, our advice would probably be make your, make your loan payments, make the regular payments, um, but suck some money aside over here in a tax-free savings account for your down payment um, or you know sometimes it's a matter of I want to get my RSP started I, w- I want to get contributing that's a yeah. it's a great plan uh, the the key to it is if it comes down to a question between do I invest or do I pay back my loan very seldom is the answer one or the other it's almost always a combination of, of right. both the what we try very hard to do is listen to our client because I've had instances where someone will come in and talk to me and they just want the loan gone. Yeah, they want to pay it back as fast as possible. Nothing else matters. So almost from just an emotional standpoint, absolutely like stress management. So in the in the grand scheme of things, is it the best financial advice? Will it make you the most money possible? No, but if that's what's important to you, then it's important. Yeah, and we have to listen to that. And we, you know, uh, we'll still maybe give an opinion in terms of okay, here's here are a couple of other thoughts. But if that's what's important, then we help our clients make that happen. Because so, after after articling, that the interest rate still stays prime plus 0.5%. Correct. It still stays that the interest rate doesn't change, and again, it's fully open, which means, you know, you can pay it back in, instead of paying it paying a loan back in three years, mm-hmm. maybe you pay it back in six. Yeah. And you're still four years ahead of the the total that you total amount of time that you could have taken. However, you've that that extra three years you've taken to pay off the loan. You've done so much other good things with that money that you didn't pay towards the loan. Either you've bought a house, uh, you've you've made some investments, you know. Yeah. Uh, and family, you know, things tend to change. Yeah. Uh, people get married, kids come along, so uh, you know. What's what's good today may not be may not be perfect for the client a year from now. So, mm-hmm. even a, a year later, we're we're constantly you know chatting with our clients and making sure we're up to date and trying to help them. So, is, is the general outlay if if she in the next five to ten years doesn't plan on making any big capital um, expenditures, mm-hmm. you, we're probably better off to pay down your principal as much as possible and eliminate interest expenses. If that's you know, if, if that's, if, that's yeah. a polar case, but absolutely, and and in that yeah. extreme, yes, the answer the answer yeah. would be yes, because to uh, you can invest your money in investment certificates, and you know you can also invest in mutual funds. Now, the the big key in terms of what's the financially best way to do things 
is how much do you earn versus how much do you pay? Uh, with mutual funds, you know, I don't know if everyone's familiar with how mutual funds work, but you can invest in an array of mutual funds that with different risk tolerances and, and, and different, uh, different investment strategies. Mm -hmm. Some of these mutual funds over the course of a year could pay you back anywhere from 8 to 20 percent. They could also go down 8 to 20 percent. So there's, you know, at the end of the day, you, you can only tell looking back in a looking backwards if if you've That's made the right decision, the right decision. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. but um, uh, basically it's up to us as bankers along with the client to say we know what you're going to pay you're going to pay three and a half percent can you invest if, if it's really just a matter of there's no other there's no other capital expenditures it's either invest or pay back uh, can you invest so that your long-term return is greater than the three and a half percent or not yeah. uh, and from there that's where you know uh, that extreme case customer would would make a decision mm -hmm. in terms of which way they want to go which I think is a nice that's kind of like a first principle approach to it and then you can sort of think about adding on okay there are there's this capital expenditure or this other big expenditure X and Y so those are things I'm going to factor in in terms of maybe lessening the amount I'm giving toward my loan repayment and putting away in some kind of um, short-term savings vehicle in order to meet those financial obligations that's right yeah. yeah and we do see you know like I said before the we recognize the client has spent all these years I've never been to law school myself but I can just imagine what it'd be like watching this line of credit go up and up and yeah. up so it's not surprising when people come in at, at the end of Articlean and say, I want to get rid of this thing. Uh, you know, it's, and, 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 you know, we understand that. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So it seems like for, for a general individual, it will be somewhere between you're going to do both. You're going to pay off your debt. You're going to do some investment and put something in savings. It's just a matter of what percent you're doing of each one will vary depending on the situation Absolutely. of that specific individual. That's right. Yes. Um, and I think we should make clear, do you, as a student, no longer have access to withdraw from the student line of credit on the day you graduate? No. On the day you graduate from, for instance, your third year loss, your third year of your program, you'll have your Articlean. So your line of credit remains active. So you can okay. draw against it throughout your Articlean and for 12 months after Articlean is complete. So if you still have room left on your line of credit, you can continue to use that money to for for your day-to-day -day expenses yes. after the 12-month grace period has expired that's the point that the line of credit converts to a loan and then it'll work its way systematically down to zero and it can't be reused so it it's almost if from the first year of law school approximately you have five years to use this line of credit exactly. three years for law school one year for articling 12 months after that yep. essentially five years to use line of credit and then until it becomes a converts to a loan. Now, to be, the other part of that, of course, is, and it's important for students to know, the Scotia Professional Student Plan, we use SPSP for short, mm -hmm. is one portion of our Scotia Professional Plan platform. Yeah. The other portions are, are designed to help the student transition into their professional life. So although this particular line of credit throughout law school will no longer be a line of credit after the grace period is over, we have other credit opportunities that are available for those students that go out and open their own practice, mm -hmm. or you know some some students are going and working at the Department of Justice or or uh, working in a large firm where they don't own the practice but they're 
you know, their, their employees effectively, uh, very high value employees, but nevertheless. So we have our salaried professional program mm -hmm. and our business for self professional program, which are transition phases from the student, uh, the student phase. Uh, so, you know, even though that line of credit converts to a loan, we're still there to help them with their professional banking yes. throughout their career. So Great. one thing that's on top of a lot of people's mind is some life insurances, mm -hmm. right? A lot of people wonder, and some people give advice that it's better to get life insurance early on, especially if you're getting permanent insurance, which uh, the sooner you can get it, the more value you will have to pull out of it eventually during your retirement side of things. So what are your thoughts on getting that life insurance and if somebody should be striving to start getting maybe a permanent insurance after they're able to secure a full-time position. Okay. Well, on the insurance side, we have to be very, very cautious and, you know, very similar to tax advice or anything else. We are not tax advisors and we are not insurance uh, agents. So we cannot give advice in terms of going out and getting uh, a life policy or a term policy with mm -hmm. a broker. We can't go there. The best we can do is is suggest, you know, yeah. find a broker that you're comfortable with and have that conversation. From the bank side of things, with any credit that you that you take through the bank, we offer you the opportunity to insure those credits with the bank. So that's an internal process and it's there is benefit to it still. Um, the student is has an opportunity to uh, to insure their line of credit with the bank and even their visa card such that if something happens to them the insurance policy kicks in and pays out the line of credit very often in the very early stages you know we see students that say I have no assets no job I, I have an admission to law school and that's about it so they don't typically see a, a ton of value in the, the life insurance aspect where there is a lot of value is number one it's very cheap at that age mm -hmm. and number two I've seen it many many times where things change in people's lives again you know mm -hmm. marriages spouses however you know whatever changes uh, and very frequently that happens with with our students our student clients but very seldom does a client come back two or three years later and say you know that insurance that I didn't take two years ago I think it would be a good idea now right. So we're trying very hard to stay in touch with our students and say, where are you today, you know, in year two and year three? Mm -hmm. uh, but to put it in place and then to know that it's taken care of and not have to worry about it, uh, you only pay interest on the amount of the line of credit that you're using. So it's very cheap uh, and it's, it's very effective and gives that peace of mind. So there, there still is some value in, in, that, uh, in that process for sure, and we, we do recommend it. Fantastic. Any last pieces of advice you would like to share with our uh, female <laughs> law students? Well, I think the only thing uh, that um, that I would suggest, the, the last piece of advice, and it's really important and it's not talked about very often, this is where it's great to, to be able to give that advice before meeting with the student. If, if you've had jobs and you're filing your taxes every year, keep your income taxes up to date. Yeah. It's a it doesn't sound like much, especially if you're not making a lot of money necessarily, but it's a big deal. When you owe back taxes to the federal government, uh, that puts a, a, a big, the big brakes on anything that we can do to be of assistance. So we don't see it a ton with that student body, but I like to put it out there for you. You know, Be sure to keep things up to date on that front because it's Good really, time. really important. And so notwithstanding, if you're making money or not, you're required to file 
taxes on a yearly basis. Correct. Even if you have no income. That's right. You you still have to file, but if you have an amount owing for whatever yeah. reason, and I mean, you know, if you're if you're making a fairly nominal salary for a summer job, you're probably not paying any taxes anyway. But in those situations, mm-hmm. maybe some of those more mature students that have had income in the past uh, or have gone out into the workforce for a few years, uh, it's really important that 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 those income taxes be up to date because uh, that's a big key for the bank uh, from to, be able a, to give any kind of loan. Yeah, absolutely. Beautiful, Greg. Thanks for your time. My pleasure. Thanks that's for the I appreciate you having me. This yeah, is uh, this great. is really exciting. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you, gentlemen. This is the Law School Show.